Hello, this is Darren Pulsifer, Chief Solution Architect of Public Sector at Intel. And welcome to Embracing Digital Transformation, where we investigate effective change leveraging people, process, and technology. On today's episode, enticing workers back to the office through collaboration with special guest Byron Terry, CEO and Managing Director of GPA. Byron, welcome to the show. Thank you. Excited to be here. Hey, we had an interesting conversation. What was it, a couple of weeks ago? First time I met you guys? Yeah. And uh, you guys have an interesting approach to, to things. But before we get talking about GPA and, and all that, tell me a little bit about yourself and your background. Uh, well, as, as many in this industry, I guess, uh, um, came from, from a bit of a creative background. So I came from a, a, a theater side of things, stage management, and uh, as you might guess from the accent, from, uh, from a little further afield than, than North America. I originally grew up, spent the first half of my life in, in Australia. and uh, uh, But the, the theater world's not exactly... Uh, uh, the, the place to make your fortune, I suppose. And, and uh, so like a lot in the industry, lots of musicians and so on that uh, found a, a way to find the creative, find the, the teamwork, find the technology in, uh, uh, you know, in a day job and, and ended up in, in the audiovisual and collaboration space. So I guess that's, that's me. In well, a that, that's, that's an interesting yeah. background because theater management is a lot like collaboration in in the corporate america right yeah absolutely uh you know, particularly in stage management you you you're you're controlling all elements from the from the actors to the technology uh yeah to the uh to the front of house and so on so lot, lots of elements going on there and, and that really in many ways in the in our industry that people space and technology alignment uh is is really the what we talked about for, for probably a, a decade or more of, of you have to get that balance between the three right to, to make uh, exceptional collaborative experiences. And so uh, drawing on that, I mean, I even had a, a six month stint as studying architecture in, in, uh, in university before heading towards the theater space and ultimately here. So uh, kind of, yeah, balanced all those, those elements of people, space and technology, I guess. Now that that's pretty fascinating because you run into all different types of people in high tech, people with a theater background. I never would have thought theater and collaboration, but it totally makes sense when you think yeah. about it. Um, so um, tell me a little bit, you guys got uh, GPA. I mean, why, why did you start GPA? What, what's the whole back backstory on GPA itself? Yeah, I, I actually realized last week was 15 years. Uh, we were wow. the Infocom trade show uh, last week, and, and it was actually 15 years ago last week that, that the... The organization began but um it began for some context and and those who've been around for a few years like you and i might remember when cisco acquired a company called tanberg and tanberg were one of the leaders in video conferencing and and uh 15 years ago we we figured that that was the the big moment suddenly av would go from from this sort of side thing not on my network as as some of the it convergence was just beginning to now cisco a market maker had stepped into the space and and the boom was going to happen. Well, uh, it, it probably took another twelve years before COVID came along till really that that boom occurred. But what what shifted fifteen years ago was was this collaboration space starting to shift from a, a more real estate project centric environment 
build a new building or we've got to put some meeting rooms in. But that was that tended to be not necessarily linked to a global strategy. But but as video conferencing was was taking more hold, and Cisco brought some credibility to that, suddenly organisations were starting to think about a globalised strategy. So obviously the, the video conferencing piece for a start was about connecting those further afield and uh, and and at the time you really had two choices. You went to a regional integrator who kind of picked up the phone around the world and hoped that they might find a kindred spirit to be able to help them. Or you went to the IT space that really didn't understand collaboration. You often actually ended up with a room with with a, a room in a box from Cisco on one end and, and this complex AV on the other. And we felt that there was a better model that was required. In fact, as I was saying to you before, even as late as 2018, Forrester did a a study and suggested 96% of the enterprise customers they interviewed weren't happy with their their collaboration and, and video strategy. So, you know, whenever you see that sort of dissatisfaction, always an opportunity for an entre- for entrepreneurialism, I guess. Uh, yeah, exactly. And so we really wanted to try and solve that that problem. Um, because a bit unique, and I guess we can jump into that if you want. Yeah, so I remember I remember the first collaboration room I went into. It was a Cisco room. And I was managing a team in India. So we set it up so that the tail, it it was kind of hokey to to tell you the truth, right? Big screens and cameras everywhere, but it looked like you were all sitting at the same table because they made the table go into the screen, the whole concept. Yeah. But what I, what I realized when I actually finally went out and visited these people that worked for me, I already knew them. Right. Because I was used to sitting at a table, even though it was a virtual table, it was, you know, there was a bunch of lighting and everything was unnatural, but I knew who they were because I could see them. And and that collaboration really did happen. Uh, But that was a super expensive and time consuming effort to put that thing together. Um, And, and, you know, there weren't very many, there was only one room in, in, in uh, California and one in, um, Bangalore, India. Yeah, well, back then that telepresence premise was a three, four, five hundred thousand dollar room. And oh yeah. What goes around comes around. Those telepresence rooms had that 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 table structure that sort of you know, created the across the table model. Well, you know, what what Microsoft's now doing with their signature rooms and the front row experiences is come exactly back to that that same kind of premise, only at a, at a a tenth of the cost, but uh, yeah, and well, and then there's there's also that's just nonverbal. One of the things I really miss is true collaboration. We don't have this true true collabor- collaboration yet. Um, I did a whiteboard session with a colleague of mine back east. I'm on the west coast. Um, in, in the United States. And it was still kind of hokey, right? He was on video, I was on video, but we wanted to whiteboard stuff. And we couldn't take the pen from each other and we couldn't jab each other. You know, we couldn't say, move out of my way. I'm, I'm going to do this part. It's still not the same as being in the room with each other. Right? Yeah, look, I think there's, there's two elements to that. The, the first I'll say from a technology standpoint is, is I think that's that's still evolving. I mean, Microsoft came out with the Surface Hub a few years back and, and that kind of changed the paradigm a little, a little bit, created a, a bit of a new market. But I was having this discussion last week, uh, actually with some of the Microsoft people that 
but that <clears throat> that premise of, of your video experience and your whiteboarding experience being integrated in one at the front of the room is still still not natural because you've got these weird camera angles and, and so on. There is some work that's happening now amongst a number of the the uh, the, the sort of leading industry uh, vendors and so on that, that's starting to push that sort of integrated experience between side of wall uh, whiteboarding experience and front of wall and and there's a whole lot of stuff going on around AI and camera to to sort of create a, a produced experience that does make some of that more natural but I think the the counter to that um, and, and it kind of talks to the to the struggles that are going on in the industry at the moment of or in the in the, the, the world at the moment in the enterprise space of of bringing staff to the office as opposed to living that that experience we lived for a few years with, with COVID is is there still an element yeah you know, when you got to to India those, those years back there was still an element of, of the personal relational there was still a, a missing element that you couldn't simply replace by being mm -hmm. a, across the across the video screen whether that was going out for a beer at the end of the day you know the, the water cooler conversation uh, or just just that sort of emotional experience of being physically in a room as well and so you know i think those are the counters we can always we can always try and and uh uh sort of create that second best experience and we need to make <clears throat> we need to 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 make sure that we optimize that as much as possible but we can't lose sight of the fact that there's still there's still that human element in all of us that that likes to touch and feel and and you know, be in the same room as someone as well, and and I think that's that balance that we're trying to you know still trying to find a little bit because uh, there really is no best practice in it right now. It's also new in this post COVID environment that, that there's well, still and, a lot of people struggling to figure out what that balance is. Yeah, you keep mentioning COVID. So pre, let's talk pre COVID. When you guys were focusing on collaboration technologies, your main customer base was all global global companies, right? Primarily trying to collaborate with their internal and customers. Is that what the main focus was? Um, well, certainly. I mean, GPA is being built from an enterprise <coughs> standpoint uh, primarily. It was how do we solve this this global premise uh, uh, and take the. I mean, it's complex enough to deal with that people space technology alignment in a, in a domestic capacity. Uh, let alone when you add all the complexities of, of global and cultural and, and geographical yeah. and, and so on. So certainly we've been built for that uh, um, at a in solving that global element, but that doesn't mean that ninety percent of our business doesn't come from domestic, and, and that could be serving a an educational customer, that could be serving a sports venue, that could be serving a broadcast uh, production environment, and, and so on as well. But uh, but yeah, certainly that that sort of critical factor that, that that we look at is how do you scale this globally. So I, when we first talked, I loved your business model, the the whole concept, because you said act globally. No wait, think globally, act locally. Right? That was kind of your business model. Yeah. So I guess how, sort of how do you do that a little bit? We, we leverage the modern economy. So rather than a, a top-down organization of, of ownership and so on, in fact, it's bottom-up. It's a little bit of, the, I use the, the Uber or Airbnb analogy. So in fact, to achieve that scale, and we have a footprint in 50 countries. In fact, what we've done is, is we've we've united, uh, well, what we call 27 business units with that, that, that physical footprint in 50 countries, 170-odd uh, offices, 
into a global organization where each of those business units are actually shareholders in the parent entity. And, and that's how we achieve that scale and, and also the ability to continue to, to establish footprint where our customers go by actually uniting all these regional organizations. But by doing, doing that, what essentially we did is we left the, the cultural awareness and diversity, the, the, the local ability to create relations with the, 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 the regional stakeholders, we all know when you, you push a mandate down globally, the first thing that the regions do is push back and say, I know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got my guy. Uh, and so, you know, that balance of the, the thinking and acting globally from a, from a strategic standpoint, but still being able to reflect that, well, to use that surface hub analogy, the way a surface hub is going to be used in the US is going to be very different to Japan when you've got a very different hierarchy of collaborative input and, yeah. and if you're four layers down from your boss's boss's boss you're probably not jumping up and grabbing the pen out of his hand you know and, and, <laughs> and uh you know jumping in front of that that uh that surface hub so that you know that regional element is so critical in in success particularly when you look at the the, the reasons why we're doing this and that is collaboration that is the the you know the very human factors of, of how people work together so if if you've got a multinational like Intel, for example, that needs to put in a collaboration strategy post COVID, it doesn't matter when, you would then call on those, um, and I need to do it in Latin America and North America. So a, all, of, all of AMR. Um, do you then, you then collaborate yourselves with all the regional people saying, here's the big account, Intel, they want to do collaboration. We want some consistency, but it needs to be it needs to be uh, regionalized more, culturalized, yeah. whatever. Yeah. What's your approach? Really, no, no different to I, I, I think in in many ways, I suppose IT best practices that that um, uh, in in deployment of any technology, um, you have a programmatic approach. You know, it's typically not a project; it's it's a program because it's multi year. It's, it's yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, it's complex and and has strategic objectives that go beyond just you know, the, the basic scope, schedule, budget element. And so, um, you know, we would generally have a, a, a centralized team um, of account management, pro project management, solution architecture, service management, and so on. Uh, and, and then regional projects spin out of that and, and get deployed. Um, and, and then, you know, we have a, I have a central corporate team that, that sits atop all that and builds the, 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 the structure and the methodology and, and ultimately, you know, supports the, the, whether that's that, that central, uh, team or the, or the regional team in making sure that the, the, the program deploys effectively. But, uh, that, well, that I mean, approach is, is really critical to, to success. So you're kind of living your own collaboration philosophy when you're doing this kind because of, it, it's highly collaborative right well it has to be and and yeah. particularly in those you know, where you've got to push up those regionalized premises there has to be that balance where the central team trusts the local team that they're not just kind of bypassing the central strategy and, and that's the central team from our standpoint or the customer's standpoint but uh, uh but but likewise that the program isn't a failure because of a lack of adoption regionally uh, in in the uh, the outcomes that, that we're trying to seek. So, but yeah, you know, I think that the, the caution is often I get hung up in, in talking about this global premise, and, and I know many of your your uh, listeners are, are not necessarily 
in, in that global capacity. And, and really, I don't think it, it changes once you get to any sense of scale. There's that balance where we're looking for, we actually call it the four S's, uh, scale, standardization, simplification, and speed. But we also have to forget that we don't try and drive those efficiencies by forgetting that the audience that we're serving and, and, and it's finding that balance and having the trust between teams, uh, you know, from a global basis to, to be able to recognize when it's okay to, to, to divert when standardization is actually perhaps a negative, uh, as opposed to when it's a positive. No, I, I, I really like that approach. It, it is a balance. What has changed between pre-COVID and post-COVID in this industry from your perspective? Because it was, it was a fundamental shift. And how did that affect your guys' approach to the collaboration world? Yeah, I mean, look, I think pre-COVID, we largely lived in the physical space of, of, of the office environment. And obviously what happened the moment COVID hit Everyone got driven to, to the remote office, and and so certainly that had to shift a bit of our thinking for a few years. You know, the, the focus on building physical spaces in <coughs> in the office, <coughs> excuse me, were uh, really went away. Um, but what's what's happened with the return is is really interesting. The the um, you know this premise of not so much equality because equality assumes an equal experience, but equity between the remote and the, and the physical uh, meeting room space, for example, has, has really shifted. So in the past, uh, you were kind of a second-class citizen if you were that remote participant. It wasn't that, that, that these video platforms... Yeah. Right? You were an outsider. Yeah. Whereas now we got so used to actually that experience of like you and I where I've got a full face on, on the screen and, and so on. Um, when we go back into the meeting room and we start sending a, a shot of a room of seven people and, and the, the far end of the table is, is you know, a distant uh, person that you can barely even see facial expression and so on as well. It's actually demanded a different experience. And ultimately, if you come to the office now and we can talk a bit about the, the sort of earning the commute premise, the, the reason why I would come to the office is I need to expect a better experience uh, by, by coming to the office than sitting in my home office. Otherwise, there's really no no demand to, to, to come to the office. There's lots of other factors that are going to keep me at home. So what are the reasons why I'm going to come to the office and making sure that that experience at the office, whether it's in the meeting room or whether it's actually anywhere in that, that office environment, uh, because ultimately anywhere in the office environment really has become a meeting space in some senses now, because uh, that's why I go to the office or at least a large part to, to collaborate with others. So it's absolutely shifted the thinking that we have to go through in certainly supporting the remote participant, but, but really challenging ourselves to drive a better experience at the office as well. That's going to be really tough because I have personalized my home office, right? It's, I got to do that, right? So it's all set up. I'm comfortable here. Um, you know, my setup, I've got it set up for podcasting and, and collaborate. I like my, you're right. I don't want to go in the office because I don't have all the stuff I have here, right? It's harder yeah. to go into the office. And, and particularly as the office is driven to things like hot desking and so on, which, which makes sense. 
but it's even less personalized because I get to sit at a space that's got to sort of fit one size fits all. We, we had a, a panel discussion last week at, at, at Infocom uh, where we had someone from HOK Design, uh, big global design architecture and planning firm and so on, and, and was talking about things like you know, neurodiversity, uh, you know, kind of a, a hot topic these days, but, but how some people come to the office and, and noise, for example, just becomes incredibly distracting to them. And as we now push them into these open workspaces instead of perhaps in the past where they had a quiet office they could work in and, and so on, that it just doesn't work for them. And, and so you're really having to understand those human factors in that people's space and technology alignment uh, have become even more important. Yet we want to create these spaces that are that that uh, encourage collaboration, and encourage those those human elements as well. And so it's you know, it's it's not easy. And, and I'd say in the in the yeah, you know, there is no best practice to go to right now. Everyone's experimenting. We've got such a short period of time since really the return to offices has occurred that uh, even as you get outside of individual cultures within individual organisations, there's there's still a lot of learning to do, and it's it's actually one of the areas that I think as an industry we we are struggling with is real effective data. Look, we can measure on and off, and is it broken, and all those types of things, but. Uh, you know, there's some interesting moves afoot uh, at that same panel discussion sitting next to HOK. I had both Microsoft and Cisco market makers in terms of technology, oh, yeah. Yeah. whether that was that history of Cisco and Tanberg or more recently Microsoft and what Teams has, has, has done. But both of them in two different strategies, Cisco with a uh, uh, an offering called uh, Spaces and Microsoft with Places are both starting to kind of step into that that how do we really understand the the true impacts, the human impacts and, and so on? And they're both coming at it from quite different paths, but how do we take real data and really start to understand what's happening in these offices, not just the, the sort of manage the technology, but manage the outcome, manage the, the returns and so on that are, that are coming from that? I really like that. Do you think that your guy, that your focus has shifted to more of that? Um, Absolutely. I mean, uh, uh, challenging ourselves even as to have we got the right skill sets uh, within some of you know some of the, the traditional ecosystem of, of staffing that we had things like business analysts and the ability to take data and and manage it and ultimately become that strategic partner to our customers means not just saying here's all the data you go figure it out but but how do we take that and, and leverage that you know those decades of experience and, and where I guess I I feel we as an industry have a an advantage over perhaps the real estate side of things or or the more traditional IT side of things is that we've, I guess, back to that very human element that we started with, the, the sort of theatrical, the musical, the emotional, yeah, yeah. that we've understood and, and been uh, the experts in trying to align the, that experiential with the with the practical for for so long that, that I put our hand up and say, well, you know, that we need to leverage that more, but we need to draw on the best practices. And convergence has been going on well, the AVIT convergence started 15 plus years ago, but now we're seeing even more convergences. IT are even having to sort of fit into that that reality as well and, and become more experientially focused, you know, less about the, the speeds and feeds and the IT security and more about how am I actually serving you know, my, my, my true customer, particularly as the complexity of technology has gone to the cloud and you don't need all those guys running servers and so on on site. Yeah, the, 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 I think the IT world generally has had to shift. 
Yeah. All right. So put on your put on your future hat. Five years down the road, what does the office look like now? Well, if I had the perfect crystal ball, I'd be. Uh... Well, you'd be a billionaire, billionaire, but where would you like to see, you know, where would you like to see the office space go to? What, what do you think would attract me back into the office? Why? And, and I, let me tell you something about my commute is across the street. I literally am like two minutes from Intel headquarters. I could walk if I weren't so lazy. So for, forget the commute part. What attracts me to the office? What does it look like? Well, I, I think the you know the, the primary thing that attracts you probably is is people, other people. But but this is the the struggle that we've got a little bit. That do I know you're going to be at the office, and if I don't know you're going to be there, then I might yeah, not yeah. come. And, and you've got this this sort of vicious circle. And so I think uh, part of particularly what Microsoft is uh, first and foremost focus on on places is trying to use AI and and that the, the massive data that, that they have from Exchange, from Teams, from from all these other platforms, uh, and starting to try and become more predictive and and make recommendation and and so on. But but first and foremost, it's I'm going to come to the office because I know you're at the office and we can we can sit down and break bread together. Down. We can you know, have experiences that we can't have just over over video. Um, I think there are there are other elements to that. There's there's a wellness element to it. Um, you're sitting in your your little home office, maybe not with optimal furniture, maybe not with the the the, the gym, the you know all the other amenities that that, that we often offer. I think uh, the, there is absolutely a wellness piece. And and let's you know remember that that for many employees uh, that they may not have you know, a, a a dedicated home office. They may be sitting at the kitchen table. They may be sitting yeah. at other things. And so it's, 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 sometimes it is actually about having that focused space as well. It may not always be about meeting with others, but sometimes I actually just need a place to get out of my, my yeah. home environment and so on as well. I mean, there's, there's some other interesting things that are coming out as well. As uh, I was talking to, to Cisco last week um, around the, their, their spaces premise, and that's around things like sustainability. We all think that not getting in the car is a sustainable premise, but when we realise that the office is going to be heated and or cooled and and so on, whether we go into the office or not, we may actually be consuming more energy by staying at home, particularly when the commuter is only across the road, as you talk about. Um, and so there are other factors that are starting to come into this as well. So I think holistically, you know, it's building that culture of of why would I come to the office that that certainly foundationally will be about the, the human impact piece, but. But it, but I think it gets more intricate than that, and and ultimately, rarely is there a, a one size fits all premise, and so it's it's attracting to different things for different people, and making sure that that I guess the, the you know the uh, the company cares about you and is creating a space that reflects its its care about you as an employee, as opposed to just a you know, a number on a spreadsheet. Yeah, exactly. Um, wh- where do you see the future for the technology side of things? What what new innovations do you see that are going to make it easier to collaborate with these hybrid workers, which is which is really complex when you think about it, right? Some days I'm in the I'm in the office, some days I'm not. My team is now scattered to the wind. Sometimes we're in the it's it's this kind of mess. What technologies do you think are going to help uh, with that? 
Well, I think, look, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a hot topic lately, but anything from chat GPT to AI generally, I think it isn't is going to have to have, have an impact, but, but, uh, um, as long as we understand the, the impact and the role it had, I, I, it can have. I mean, I talk about that that places environment where it's going to start to give you recommendation and so on. And so, being that co-pilot with you, even actually to, to use the Microsoft's term of co-pilot, being that co-pilot with you, um, in terms of practical things in in our world, I mean, there are uh, a narrow world of of, of AV. Um, uh, we're gonna we're already starting to see. Uh, a, a new level of, of experience starting to be driven from a bit of AI and so on in, in camera technologies, for example. So once you get into that meeting room, multiple cameras and and the sort of automated producer, we, we've actually got quite used to in, in COVID highly produced events because that was kind of the way uh, the way we had to do it um, and sort of bring some of that without having to layer technicians and people on top of it starting to let technology do some of the work to, to enhance the experience. Um, the other thing that I think we're already starting to see is, and it wasn't necessarily driven by, by COVID, uh, although it, it helped, is I guess narrow cast media production. I mean, a little bit like we're, we're doing today, yeah. even, but uh, um, we're seeing even at a, at a much more higher produced level, the number of studios, broadcast studios we're building for corporate enterprise, for example, whether that's out to the to their wider audience, particularly in the finance world, uh, a lot of the banks and so on are creating their own narrowcast channels to to their you know their constituency, uh, as much as it's being used internally to employees and so on. So I think this whole media explosion, the, the media workflows that are that are occurring, the technology that's taking complexity out of those media workflows, so that that the average person can can create a higher degree of engagement yeah. as yeah as indeed we were talking yeah. about for, for this platform and so on um i think those things are starting to shift as well and so we kind of look at the 80 20 rule there's 80 80 percent of the rooms that we're building are these very standardized rooms it's the mtr microsoft mtr or zoom room or whatever that's that's being hung on the wall but but the but what that's allowing us to do is take our attention away from that using standardization and so on and bring it to the 20 percent, which is the really impactful, important, experiential related stuff. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's those spaces that I'm most excited about interactivity and, and I mean, large organizations like Intel have been building experience centers for years, but, but that was typically the, the big mega experience center in yeah. HQ, but we're starting to see a lot more of that distribute out to, to smaller realities in, in the branch offices, in the regions and so on. So, uh, um, the, well, so that that will attract people significant, right? That attracts people back into the office as well, right? And not just employees. You know, we tend to look a lot about the attract the employee, but what's going to attract the customer? I, I know, you know, we've all found it harder to get customers out of their office. You know, oh yeah, yeah. Just as much as we have employees, and so it's not just earning the commute from from the uh, the employee. It's earning the commute from from that entire ecosystem of partners, of customers, of of everybody that we interact with that's important. No, that this is awesome. Hey, Byron, thanks for your time today. This was this is it. Uh enjoy. I really like I really like this a lot because we didn't have to talk about technology the whole time. Uh, the human factor is so important. Uh so thanks for humanizing uh collaboration in AV, especially with your background in, in theater and stage management. I think it's wonderful. It's it's a great story. 
well, it's a pleasure. It's and, a, and it's a passion, as they say. If you if you love what you do, uh, you never work a day in your life. I think you live that a little bit as well. But uh, certainly, it's that that human factor that that makes it uh, makes it fun every day. Oh, that's awesome! Thanks again, Byron. Cheers, Darren. Thank you for listening to Embracing Digital Transformation today. If you enjoyed our podcast, give it five stars on your favorite podcasting site or YouTube channel. You can find out more information about Embracing Digital Transformation at embracingdigital.org. Until next time, go out and do something wonderful.